Hello and welcome to the No Longer Be Children podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Meyer, and we are in pursuit of a mature and stable Christian worldview. And today, um, I have a tiny bit of time. And so, uh, as I tend to do, I like to podcast with the little bit of time that I have. And I'm really wanting to get um, the podcast on neo-Marxism done. That one just keeps dragging on and I'm having a hard time getting it finished as far as time goes. But there's something even more important that I felt compelled to do, uh, which is forgiving your wife or forgiving your husband. Um, I took over pastoring uh, our home church for um, two months while my pastor had a sabbatical, and I preached through the book of Philippians. And I thought the book was about joy. It is about joy. But through the process of my study and preaching exegetically through, uh, and you can listen to those in my podcast, we got one more to go next week, I realized that what this is, well, there's two things that are going on primarily in the book. Primarily and most visibly, uh, Paul is saying thank you for the gift. Uh, The Philippians have given him a gift saying thank you. So it's a thank you letter from a missionary to the supporting church. But also hidden, hidden quite well. I actually memorized the whole book many moons ago, um, and I didn't pick up on this. And it was only through reading commentaries and other people that have really studied it that I realized this is a really messed up church. Not messed up in the way that Corinthians, the Corinthian church is. Corinthian church had like, you know, immorality issues and huge divisions in the church and power struggles. They don't have those sorts of issues. But there's two people that won't get along, two women that won't get along, Yudia and Sintichi. The church was founded by women. Uh, and anyways, um, not trying to get into into gender here, but there's two people that won't get along in the church, and that, that division is causing a lot of trouble in the church. And this trouble is going all the way down. It, it just seems like that's continually the theme of Philippians is get along, get along, get along. Well, actually, that's not quite right. The theme, the main message that comes through in the book of Philippians is character is have this attitude, the the center of the book for me is Philippians 2, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, uh, although he exists in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, the thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, etc. The whole famous passage about how Jesus emptied himself and became a servant for us. So Paul is focused on character, character, you know, putting others first, not, not being motivated by selfish ambition. He highlights people that are Christians that are preaching the gospel and Paul can even rejoice that they're out there preaching the gospel but he says these people are working from selfish ambition don't be like this rather be like me Paul says who you know I'm pouring my life out for you like a drink offering I'm caring for you and be like uh, Timothy that has a genuine heart for you be like Epaphroditus that risks his life for you uh, to serve you without it without you know without any thought for himself. And so there's this continual theme of putting others first, putting others first, and having this heart, this caring for other people. And there's two directions that I want to go. I'll probably make two podcasts back-to-back on this. This really makes me think of a husband-wife relationship, Uh, and I have a bit of experience in that. I've been married for 13 and a half years, and, you know, if you haven't been married or haven't been married very long, spoiler alert, 
uh, you're going to have conflict. And there's going to be... There's going to be times when you need to forgive and you need to work on on your relationship. And this becomes kind of this major, you know, repetitive part of your life if you're married is how do we get along together? How do we love each other, really love each other? How do we do life together? You know, the book of Proverbs has a verse that says, just as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's a great verse from a distance, you know, that you have this mental picture of, of two knives, you know, pulling against each other and they're both getting sharper and you think, great, and that sounds nice. You know, when you're married, it can be difficult. And, uh, you know, as I say, part of the reason that people don't often talk about this is then it, it makes it sound like you have a terrible marriage. If you start talking about, hey, you know, you got to forgive, you got to work on stuff. And I really feel like, I mean, I have, I say this almost every year, but I have never felt as blessed in my marriage as I do right now. Like, I feel like we are, we've never been this close. We've never um, had it this good. And just about every year so far, other than a few years that have been real crisis years and we've had to deal with major issues, but just about every year as far as our relationship goes, it just keeps getting better and better. Just lay that out there as an encouragement for you. But pretty big deal is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a pretty big deal. And I've talked about this before in sermons and podcasts. But So what do you do when you hurt? Option A, you only have two choices. You only have two choices when you hurt. You can hurt the person back or you can take it to Jesus and forgive. Those are your only two choices. If you're going to hurt the person back, there's a million ways to do that. You can go talk to somebody else about how mad you are so that that person then gets mad and then you feel relieved because that anger has moved somewhere else in the world and someday you know, that person will get hurt. Or you find a way of sliding a comment in to let the person know that you've been hurt. Or, you know, say say it straight to their face. And some people, you know, are, are more vocal that way and just tell somebody straight out, hey, you said this, it made me feel like this. There it is, right there on the table. That's option A. You can make the person hurt because they hurt you. This is Old Testament. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Problem is that, you know, the action is usually smaller than the hurt that it caused because the action... I mean, we're, we can be mean people, but we're not usually that mean. The reason we hurt each other so much is because we're fragile, fallen people, and we have wounds in our past. And so if the way that marriage conflicts go really, really, really bad is one person, you know, she says something to him. She's just venting. She's just getting something off her chest, and she says something, which probably she shouldn't have said, but it's it's not really crazy out of line. She didn't yell in his face. She didn't, she didn't, she wasn't extreme. She just said something because she was venting. And it really hurts him because of something in his past. So then he comes back and he wants to make her pay for it. Somewhere in him, he's like, that's not right. I'm going to stick it to her. I'm going to make her pay for this. And he might be fighting with that. He might be trying to forgive, but there's something in him that still says, I'm going to make her pay. And so then later on that day, he makes a comment. And he knows her long enough to know that there's just this exact thing he can say 
that is going to let her know how much it hurt him. And also it's going to touch on her pain somewhere. Because we know this about each other. We know where we hurt. And we know there's something so satisfying about telling somebody that they've hurt you and making them feel the pain. This is just honesty, people. This is honesty. And so he says that to her and she feels it. And either right away or else later on, she says, or or likely doesn't say, I mean, this is this is like in in this is an overview, you know, from this is a God's eye view of the conflict. Usually we're not thinking it through. We're just, how could you say that? That's I can't believe you would say that. And she reacts with, you know, every time that you you know, you're always doing this, or you say this, and it makes me feel this, and then she comes back with that, and they go back and forth, back and forth. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, and the pain gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, because, you know, we hurt, and we want to hurt back, but we don't realize how deep that hurt goes, and when you're close and intimate with people, you know how to make them hurt. Anyways, back to the conflict today. And really, I mean, it's stupid stuff, right? It's always stupid stuff in marriage because you're, you're together all the time. You're in each other's space. And it's, it's, just, it's just stupid stuff. And it's just stupid comments. And it's not anything, anything big. But little things become big things. How do you forgive? You say, God, my wife said this. And it made me feel this way. And you go into your heart and you think through some pain words. Made me feel, I'm just making this up. I don't want to go too personal here. You know, maybe it made you feel. (laughs) Sorry, my two-year-old is yelling along to Paw Patrol in the background. I'm not sure if you could hear that. Just bring some lightness to the situation. Um, You know, maybe it makes you feel devalued, not respected. Maybe it connects with a pain that you felt in high school or grade school or growing up or whatever. You know, it hurt me. God, this is how it made me feel. And just pause for a second to feel that pain, to recognize that pain. This can be hard to do if you're on the run. You know, maybe you're in the conflict and you're trying to forgive. But just take a moment, if you can, sometimes you just need to take a moment, go to the bathroom. You're always allowed to go to the bathroom. And just be like, God, this is how I feel. And the next step is to say, I will pay the emotional pain and consequences of this action. And this is what my wife does for me, and I love her for it, and this is what I do for her. And it makes our love grow. Say, this is how she made me feel. It hurt. Not because she's a terrible person, but because I'm a broken person. I mean, you can... We're we're all broken people, you know? And... Yeah, she's not. It's it's not because your spouse is a bad person that they hurt you. It's because you have wounds that you get hurt, and and perhaps the person is is, is sometimes acting out of their wounds. Sometimes people are actually malicious, but very very rarely. Usually, we're just we're just trying to live our lives, and we bump into each other because people are wounded around us. So you okay? Step one: This is how I feel. You recognize it. You face it. You can't heal your heart if you don't know what's going on. You know, a surgeon has to have visibility before he starts cutting things or else he's not going to get it out. You know, you got to open up. You got to get down deep. You got to get in there to see what's going on. 
And sometimes that means you're going to go deep and you're going to spend some time apart. Like if this is a deep wound, this is something that keeps happening over and over. You're going to get some time away and you're going to go really deep into your heart and you're going to weep and you're going to cry and you're going to journal it out. You're going to write it out and it's going to hurt, right? But oftentimes it's not like that. It's just God, Sasha made me feel. This is how he made me feel. It hurt. wasn't right. It stinks. But then you move on to the next step. I will pay the emotional pain and consequences of their actions. Because again, there's two choices. Either they pay or you pay. If they're going to pay, you're going to hold on to that pain. And, you know, my fist clenched as I said that, you know, you're going to hold on to that. Either you're going to say something to them. You're going to do something to them. You're going to say something to somebody else. You're going to, in some way, hurt them to make, to get back at them. And I see this in my kids all the time. Like it is crazy how much you see human nature with your kids, you know, like somebody, one kid hurts the other and the other kid hurts the other and the other kid hurts the other and you stop them at a certain point. And it's never fair when you stop them because somebody always, you know, hurt the other kid. But at a certain point, you got to say, stop it, you two. You know, before you cross the line where I need to, you know, where this needs to be a discipline issue it's just just stop right now and the creativity that comes out at that point because you can stop that action whether that action was you know physical violence or or words or something you could say stop it don't do that anymore then the creativity comes out and then the child finds a way to destroy the art project or finds a way to say something else that's mean that's in a roundabout way or finds a way to walk past the child and and bump them, quote-unquote, accidentally. There's all these ways because we, when we're, if, if we're sitting there with a closed fist and we don't forgive, there is something deep in us that longs for justice. And justice will be satisfied. We're like, I will make you pay. Or else you forgive. And if you're frustrated at yourself because you find that you can't control your tongue, you can't stop yourself from doing things, you can't stop yourself from from being malicious and malevolent and mean towards the other person, there's just this creative fountain of anger and animosity built up towards that person where it's just like, I just can't stop thinking about all the ways I want to hurt them. need to forgive Okay, that's plan B. Plan A is make them hurt. Plan B is feel the pain. Okay, God, this person made me feel this way. It hurt. It hurt a lot. Here's how it hurt, you know. And that's not necessarily the reflection on them. It might be. Maybe they were a very malicious person. Maybe you got hurt by somebody as bad as Hitler or, or um, you know, somebody truly malicious. That That is an option. But oftentimes it's just because you're a wounded person and I'm a wounded person. And as we walk through this life and try and do life together, we bump into each other and we 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 open scabs from our past. So I will, here's how I hurt. Here's, here's, here's the pain. I will pay the emotional pain and consequences of these actions and just take a moment to grieve. Take a moment to grieve. Sometimes this is going to be a lot of tears. 
sometimes it's just going to be, you know, a moment of silence and heaviness. And and often it, you know, when you really make that decision, I'm just going to pay it. I'm not going to make them pay. I'm just going to pay it. Often it goes very quickly. It's like, it's done. It's, it's no big deal. You know, we spend our whole life running away from feeling the pain and, and holding on to this saying, like, I'm going to make them pay. They're, this is not fair what they did. Someday they're going to understand how much they hurt me. Because we don't want to feel that pain. We want them to feel the pain. And when we stop and take a deep breath and we turn around and we face that pain that's been chasing us and we say, all right, I'm going to take it. It enters us and it's gone. It's just gone. It's just, well, I mean, that wasn't that bad. It wasn't that hard <laughs> when, it, when it comes to it. I don't, I don't mean to trivialize because every single time making the decision to accept the pain is hard. It's, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It is life. It is, the, it is the challenge of life is forgiving. That's why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, he puts it right in the middle of the stinking prayer. I shouldn't speak that way. It's irreverent. But he puts it right in the middle of the prayer. And it's frustrating because I want to think some high and lofty theological thoughts about what the Trinity means or what, you know, what is the... What is truth, you know, or what is the greatest defense of the Christian faith or something? I want to go in my mind, and he's like, in the middle of the of the prayer, forgive us our sins, which is like, that's the gospel. Forgive us our sins. I mean, this is, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is, you know, John... 316. This is Romans 623, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Forgive us as they are. Forgive us. I'm getting this confused. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So, like, that's the gospel. Forgive us our sins. God, forgive me. You are just, I am sinful. Please forgive me for what I have done. That's that's it. If you've never prayed that, pray it right now. God, please forgive me for all my sins because Jesus died for me. Boom, that's it. You're saved. As I also forgive those that have sinned against me. This is causes Christians all sorts of worry because, well, it's hard to forgive. Do I lose my salvation? No. That's what I was talking about. But it's right there in the middle of it. And then afterwards, he talks about deliver us from evil, etc. For if you will not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you for your sins. It's right there. You know, often we cut off that last bit. But that's part of the concept. It's like Jesus talked about how to pray, and then right away the only thing he wanted to go back to, the only recap was, look, if you want your heavenly Father to forgive you, then you forgive other people. You forgive your kids. You forgive your wife. You forgive your boss. You forgive your parents. You forgive that evil person, that that despicable thing to you. You forgive Hitler. You forgive Mao. You, you forgive. Now, that doesn't mean that you let people literally off the hook. Sometimes that means, you know, in, in interpersonal issues, in, in small matters, sometimes that means... Well, okay, here's, here's what happens. Let me continue with this, and then I'll come back to that thought. So you feel the pain, you accept the pain, 
You make the decision that you're going to pay the price and you're not going to make them pay the price. And then just for good measure, you pray, Father, please take back the ground I've given to the enemy through bitterness. And I release that ground to your control. If you want, you can just say, forgive me for bitterness. Might be easier than what I just said. You know, holding on to anger is bitterness. That's the definition of bitterness is holding on to anger. And bitterness is a sin. So, you know, if this happened really recently, maybe you don't have to pray that, but never hurts to do so. Bitterness leaves room for the enemy. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Um, and in so doing, give an opportunity for Satan. There's a verse that says something like that. So we want to take that ground back. We don't want Satan having any territory, any room, any space to hurt us or to to have a foothold in our lives. We just want to pray that God would take back that ground that we gave to the enemy through bitterness. All right? Always important to do. But I really find that the magic happens when I say, I will not make them pay. I will pay. I will pay the price. And what happens then is the mind changes. The thinking changes. This is what happens when counseling really works. My wife and I have had a fair bit of experience with counseling uh, done to us, a little bit that we've done with other people. And I tell you, it sometimes it's really, 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 really hard to work on issues because they're deep in the heart. You don't know what's going on. The counselor sometimes doesn't know what's going on. But when you fix something, it's like going down to the basement and, and flicking a fuse, uh, what are they called? Not a fuse, but a, a circuit breaker. And all of a sudden the lights come on in a part of the house. And you're like, what does that little switch down in the basement have to do with lights up there on the second level? Well, it does. They're connected. And when you forgive, really forgive, your thoughts just change. They just do. And all of a sudden you're not thinking about what you want to say. You're not replaying the conversation and you're winning. You're not yelling in their face anymore in your imagination. You're not you know, obsessing about how you're going to hurt them. This fountain of creative negative energy is just stopped. And all of a sudden you can just think about real life. And often, you know, especially in marriage, the first thing I think about is, how was she feeling when she said that? Because usually the reason that she said something, the reason that I say something that I regret, and I'm sure my wife does the same thing for me in all this, but the reason she said something she regrets is because she was hurting. And once I get past my own baggage and BS and realize, all right, grow up, little boy. Well, let me. Not, I don't like how I said that. Um, you know, once, once I deal with the legitimate hurt and pain that I felt, then all of a sudden I wake up. It's like waking up from a dream. And I'm like, you know, my wife, it's been a rough day. She's had the kids. So-and-so was difficult. She had to deal with this stressor. And then this situation came up. And no wonder. Like, I need to go and care for her because of what's happened. And then, you know, so I, I get up and I go because I can't stand, you know, having any sort of conflict between us. And usually because my wife is so awesome, I enter the room and she's right away, I'm sorry, you know. And then I say, I'm sorry too. Like, that must have been really hard. Like, what's going on? And is there a way I can help? Like, you know, let's let's clean the house. Let's get the kids cleaning. Let's let's get this issue dealt with. And you know that's why every year gets better. Honestly, like in all honesty, every year gets better because 
we deal with our BS, you know. And because we forgive, and I'm sure there's people saying, well, that that's great for you if you're both in it together. And what about me with the spouse that's that's not working like they should? And, you know, you do your best to share what is wisdom, and, and it, it doesn't fit for everybody. I know there's people that have genuinely difficult relationships and you know same as like a a really difficult boss what do you do with a really really difficult boss that's out to get you it's hard it's really really hard or a really difficult controlling coworker that you know is is very similar to somebody that's really hurt you in your past and every day they're whamming on this pain center on this this old wound and every day there's just this flood of of pain from their actions. Yeah, it's really, really hard. Like, I don't I don't mean to trivialize it at all. And what if you're married to that person? It's, I mean, it's hard. But what can you do to survive? You forgive. You forgive. And you decide, I'm not going to make them pay. What they did was wrong. What they did made me hurt. And I will pay the emotional pain and consequences of their actions. And you just, you know, you, you pick up your cross and you follow Jesus who paid the emotional pain and consequences of your actions and your sins, even though it was wrong and it made you hurt. Now, that being said, let me hasten to say forgiveness does not mean that you let evil continue. All that is necessary for evil to continue continue is for the righteous people to do nothing if righteous people do nothing evil will prevail so there's a time and a place when you get up from your knees and you have felt the pain accepted the pain decided you will not make them pay you've asked for the ground back of bitterness and the first thought in your mind is not about how whatever you know they they had reasons for that you realize they didn't have reason for that what they did was pure evil. It was pure malevolence. They could have done better. They should have done better. They're, you know, a big boy, a big girl that should have control of their emotions and they didn't. It was wrong. And maybe you're going to put a boundary and say, I'm never discussing my personal life with this person again until I see a change. Because what I saw is that they're not, they're not trustworthy with my personal emotions. Maybe you're going to say, what they did hurt my kids. And so they have zero access to my kids in an intimate situation until I see change or perhaps ever because, you know, those formative years are so important. It might mean if you're married and there's a lot of abuse and bad stuff happening that you say, there's a shelter in town. I'm going to go there, take the kids there. I'm going to do legal steps and I'm going to say, to my spouse, things need to change or else I am not coming back. And for some, that can be the wake-up call that makes them be a better person. And that is absolutely sanctioned as far as I'm concerned. Uh, That is absolutely legitimate for a Christian person to especially initiate a separation. And if it doesn't, if the person doesn't turn around, to go all the way to divorce. Um, so they can be legal protection for the kids and so that you can get your finances figured out. It's not, um, that's a whole nother issue. 
but I probably wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, but based on life experiences and, and some things we've walked through with our friends, there's a time and a place when that needs to happen. And it's not only for adultery, um, you know, due to hardness of heart, God allowed divorce, and there's there's a time for that. Remarriage is a whole other issue that um, I'm still working on, but uh, the point being, forgiveness does not mean that you let people walk all over you. Forgiveness means that you're not going to let people walk all over your heart. Forgiveness means that you're not going to spend the rest of your life trying to run away from the hurt that was caused. People hurt you. Accept it. Feel it. Grieve it. Because only in grieving it can you truly move on. Can you truly escape it? You need to just turn and face the pursuing dragon of pain and let it run straight through your heart and fall to your knees and say, God, my Lord Jesus Christ, that hurt. That hurt. And something that was really precious to me uh, this past Sunday as I was preaching through Philippians 3, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to the likeness of his death so that I might in some way attain to the resurrection from the dead. You know, these are the things that Paul wants. He wants to have the power of his resurrection. He wants to have the fellow. He wants to um, know Christ and be found in Him. He wants to attain to the resurrection of the dead, and he wants the fellowship of his sufferings. Then I paused at that point and asked people in the church, like, who in the world would want fellowship of sufferings? Who would want suffering? Nobody wants this. And I said, have you thought for a second about your friends and your really closest friends? And I almost guarantee you that your your closest, dearest friends are people that, that have, you've suffered with them, they've suffered with you, you've shared tears, you've shared hopelessness, you've shared despair, you've shared sometimes the very depths of human exertion. Like Paul had said, that we were pushed beyond our limit to the point we had the sentence of death on us. And you've walked through that with somebody. You know, Paul walked through that with Timothy. Timothy stayed by his side. He never left. He was in prison with him. He didn't leave. And he said, I have no one else like Timothy who has a good heart, who cares for you. And we have the privilege of suffering with Jesus. Because Jesus, when he hung on that cross... He felt the weight and the pain of our sin. All those stupid, thoughtless things that we did to hurt other people, to be selfish, to put ourselves first, and sometimes to shake a fist directly at Almighty God and say, I don't care. And God who loves us, who's poured himself out for us, who created the world for us, who is in himself perfect goodness and virtue. He looked at that and it hurt. It hurt to see what we did to each other, to ourselves and against him. And he said, I'm not going to make them pay. I will pay. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. 
And it hurt him to do that. It was painful. Not just physically, but emotionally, it was painful. And when we forgive our husbands, our wives, our bosses, our enemies, those truly despicable people that have done terrible things that ought not to have been done, should never be mentioned, those people, when we forgive them and we feel the pain, we let ourselves feel the pain. We don't run from it anymore. We don't hide from it. We don't tell ourselves that someday I'll get them back or have that conversation. We just feel it. God, this is how they made me feel. It wasn't right. We are participating in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And we become friends of God because Jesus said, I know it hurt, didn't it? I felt that pain too. I love you. And what a privilege that is to enter into the pain and the suffering of Jesus Christ. And what a journey that is. What a journey to forgive and forgive and forgive. And sometimes you have these deep moments of forgiveness and sometimes it's just throughout the course of the day you're thinking, I'm not going to make them pay. This was wrong. It hurt. I'm not going to make them pay. I will pay the emotional pain and consequences of their actions. Please, Lord, forgive me for my bitterness. And you move on. And every time you say it, it gets... Hmm, let me, no, that's not necessarily true. It doesn't always get easier. If you're really, really stuck, it gets easier and easier to a point. <laughs> it always sucks to forgive people. It's just not fun. But you grow. Your character grows. Your relationships grow. And even those bosses that you that are so difficult and those co-workers, as you forgive them, as you love them, it's amazing how those people come back and somehow there's a friendship there. Somehow there's respect. Somehow there's camaraderie. And they're like, oh yeah, we had a great time when we were working back then. And you're like, what? You were a complete jerk. I forgave you, but you were a complete jerk. And somehow through forgiving them, the relationship has improved. Somehow, you know, you, you get to these moments with relationships, especially in marriage, but any relationship where you're just like, I don't know how this can get fixed. I don't know how to move forward, you know. He said, she said, we went back and forth, and it's just, it's chaotic, it's confusing, it's everything it shouldn't be. I don't know how to how to proceed. And likely this is where the Philippian church was that Paul was addressing and writing the letter to. Where do we go from here? How do we move forward? Everything has gotten so far out of control. Forgive. Forgive. And it's amazing how, you know, you're sitting there and you, I don't know if you're like me, but you can just spend hours and hours and hours thinking about what you should say to so-and-so. Forgive them. Start there. And suddenly, it becomes so simple. Well, I don't need to say anything to them anymore. Or maybe I need to say, you know what? No. I think actually the next step before making a progression, sometimes you don't need to say anything. It's just, it wasn't right. They're kind of immature. They said something they shouldn't have said. 
hit on a previous pain of mine, but whatever, it's it's in the past. Sometimes you realize, yeah, this, we need to be careful with this person. We need to put up a boundary. But it might not be a boundary we need to talk about publicly or, or talk to the boat with the person. Sometimes it's, I needed to go talk to that person, you know, because what they're doing is not right. What they did is not right. They're going to hurt other people. I need to go talk to them. And if that doesn't work, you know, there's a whole process in Matthew about you take two or three more people, you even make it a big deal in front of the church if you need to. That's not the first step. <laughs> that is not the first step to confront the person. The first step is in your heart you forgive. And the final step might be you just cut all ties at a certain point. You can forgive somebody and have no ties to them. You can forgive somebody and completely, you know, move on with your life without them. That is an option. But there's forgiveness in your heart. You're not mulling over it. You're not thinking about it. You're not ruminating on it. You're not giving yourself ulcers and increasing your risk of cancers and and having, you know, bad emotions in your mind and heart all the time. It's done. It's forgiven. So I guess that was my 15 minutes on forgiveness, on how to forgive your wife. This is Josiah Meyer for the No Longer Be Children podcast, and I hope that you have a good day. Bye.